Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let the dogs out, you know, like who let the dogs out? Who, who off the hook airing on off the hook sports.com, your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Good morning to you and yours. It is a Wednesday and plenty to talk about with Caleb Calhoun and Amanda LaFrada. I'm Dave Hooker. Coming up on the program, I want to get into the college football playoff, of course. And I want to discuss Alex Golish potentially leaving for Cincinnati. How big of a blow would that be? So a lot going on. And I've got a weird theory on the whole Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze, Auburn situation that I want to run by you guys. But first of all, let me start with Amanda. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? Good morning, Dave. I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic. Uh, good morning, Caleb. Hope you're doing well. You've already got breakfast in tow. Good job. Yep. <laughs> yep. Good morning. How are you guys doing? I'm well. Uh, Trevor says good morning as well. So uh, Travis says, and so does the CFP Selection Committee. So let's go ahead and get started. The Down and Dirty at 30 brought to you by Guardian Investments. Guardian Investments. GIAplantoday.com, GIAplantoday.com with video conferencing. They can offer you fantastic financial advice online. So I highly suggest them guarding investment strategies. So let's get to it, guys. Uh, Tennessee still behind uh, Alabama. I don't think that's a great surprise because they were behind them last week. But uh, in a head-to-head matchup, let me just start the down and dirty at 30 with you, Amanda. Your thoughts, just your initial thoughts on the fact that Alabama was ahead of Tennessee. Let's kind of break this down a little bit. 
Okay. Um, I think that Alabama is ahead of Tennessee for two two big reasons, and that is the loss of Hendon Hooker and also the loss of uh, against South Carolina and the way that uh, Tennessee lost to South Carolina. So I'm, I think those are your two main factors, and I know a lot of people will bring up, well, the college football playoff committee is supposed to judge on this and this and this and this. And, yes, they're supposed to judge on this and this and this and this, but they don't. If you've watched this show at all throughout, you know, the time it's been on, you'll see that that's not always the case. They don't judge based off of this and this and this. But regardless, it doesn't matter if Tennessee's ahead or behind. Ohio State's getting in if somebody else falls. And that's it. That's all we need to know. I don't think there's going to be three people, you know, to lose this weekend. And and then it would make it relevant. Now, I wrote a column that Tennessee is better off in the orange and the sugar bowl from a recruiting perspective. And that's on offthehooksports.com. Um, and I, I base that off of your it's easier to get prospects out of South Florida than it is Louisiana. So for all the Tennessee fans that are upset that Alabama may one up them with a head to head loss. Caleb, I, I think you're better off in the Orange Bowl than the Sugar Bowl. We could debate that. But ultimately, the head to head, I think, does matter quite a bit because um, it, it may not determine who makes the college football playoff. But in its essence, sport is who wins, who lost, who loses. And for them not to be uh, above Alabama is just bizarre to me. I don't care how they lost. I don't care that Hendon Hooker's out. That, to me, just doesn't register, quite, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We spoke on Saturday, and I kind of made the case for why the college football playoff may have had a point to put Alabama ahead because I still said, gun to my head on a neutral field right now, I – pick Alabama to win with Joe Milton as the starting quarterback. But I would as well. I, I, I did some research, um, exhaustive ESPN.com research <laughs> the last two days. Um, it's not just head to head. It's beyond a travesty that Alabama is ahead of Tennessee. Let's okay. There's head to head where Tennessee beat Alabama. Then you've got Tennessee and Alabama common opponents. Tennessee beat LSU by 27 at LSU. LSU beat Alabama. Not only that, Tennessee beat Vanderbilt by more than Alabama beat Vanderbilt. <laughs> and that was with Joe Milton, funny enough. Um, on top of that, Alabama's got three wins against eight and four teams. Those are their three best wins. Tennessee's two losses are, Alabama, are better than any of Alabama's best wins. Like, South Carolina's the top 20 team now because they just beat Clemson. And Georgia's obviously better loss. So, Tennessee's two losses are literally better than any Alabama win you can name. There's no metric Alabama should be ahead, but I am with you guys. It may in a backdoor way work in Tennessee's favor because neither Alabama nor Tennessee is going to the playoff. I don't care if TC, if TCU, Michigan or Ohio, or uh, Georgia, I don't think any of them really has to play this weekend. I think they're all automatically in at this point. Yeah. Even TCU. And uh, well, no, if TCU loses Ohio State, then I'm sorry, but if TCU and USC lose both, what, TCU will still be in then as the fourth seed. So I think the only team outside of the top four that has a chance to get this sneak in is Ohio State. And so I, I, I just – I don't care. Again, even if TCU and USC both lose, you're not putting five and six in at that point. You're kicking USC out and keeping TCU and Ohio State in. 
Joe says we can't slip to the Cotton Bowl based off people I've talked to. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're fine there. Amanda, which loss was worse uh, outside of the hooker injury? Was it South Carolina? Uh, Tennessee lost to South Carolina, or is it the way Ohio State lost to Michigan at home? Which loss is worse? Um, I'm going to say that Tennessee lost to South Carolina was worse just because South Carolina up to that point did not look good. They didn't look good. No one thought they were good. Um, Michigan, you can make an argument. I mean, it was an ugly loss. Don't get me wrong. But Michigan's also, you know, number two in the nation. So it's it's difficult to really say that that loss that Ohio State took at home against Michigan is uglier than that South Carolina beat down of Tennessee. I mean, no one – and it's it's more than just what happened on the field, I think. It's, it's more of – there's a lot of what happened off the field to make Tennessee look so bad against South Carolina because they looked – I mean, they look like a completely different team. And I think a lot of people have pointed that out. Like, and, and are upset, and rightly so. What happened? Why? We should be in the playoffs now. But we got beat handedly by South Carolina. Uh, Caleb, yeah. I mean, it was it was the collapse in Columbia that won't be forgotten anytime soon. One of the most damaging losses to a program, a season in recent history i go back to the 2001 sec championship game the other issue that i have ultimately with the way things are set up now now this will change somewhat because you'll have four conference champions that will make the 12 team college football playoff when it goes into place by 2025 at the latest is that right caleb and i think 26 at the latest but it could be 25 okay gotcha okay so when it goes into place but they'll only take four so really, you've, you you have an SEC championship game that has zero drama. LSU cannot get in with three losses. Uh, Georgia's going to get in no matter what, and they'll probably play at the same place because I would imagine, I don't know, they could be two or three, but maybe they would drop to four and they would play in the Mercedes-Benz Bowl again for the semifinal. Um, they're, they're pretty, if Georgia lost? If Georgia lost, yes. Okay. Yeah, there. I mean, there really, Caleb. There is no. I don't. I, I don't like where the sport's headed with the conference champion. That should mean something, and right now it doesn't. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to say it. I didn't mind the BCS. Everybody hated it. BCS is looking pretty good right now, guys. Um, because you know, right now, one, we we know that we know who the two best teams in the country are. It's Georgia and Michigan. There's no question. Sorry, TCU fans. You're not on the same stratosphere as Georgia and Michigan. And honestly, Michigan may not be on the same stratosphere as Georgia either, if we're being honest, but they're definitely on a different stratosphere from TCU. And so, BCS ranked Alabama ahead of Tennessee. They did. Oh, the BCS ranking still exists. I didn't even know. Yeah. There's, um, I made reference to that on if you want to check out the column on offexports.com, that's a plug. But yes, it did still have Alabama ahead of Tennessee. Uh, well, this is there's a throwback on this. Uh, intriguing, by the way, uh, Dave. You remember this 2001 when Tennessee lost to LSU in the SEC title game. Tennessee was 10 and two at the time. Florida was nine and two. Florida jumped ahead of Tennessee, even though Tennessee had just beaten Florida, and they got the BCS bid over Tennessee to the Orange Bowl that year. Um, when Tennessee yeah. had to go to the Citrus Bowl, 
in 2001? 2001, yeah. Yes, yeah. And it's you know that's, a similar situation if you look at it. In yeah, very similar. It was it was a travesty that Tennessee was behind Florida. The only difference that time was you could at least say they had a common opponent, a couple of common opponents with LSU and Georgia. Florida blew out both of them, and Tennessee lost to both of them. So a little bit not as clear cut as this time, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I think the BCS would have worked fine, and the conference, that would have actually brought more suspense to the conference championship games this week. Um, but I'm with you. The setup right now, when you take when you're just about the four best teams you've really eliminated the value of conference title games. I think most people, most fans of college football aren't happy that they're being played this weekend because you're kind of looking at it like you don't really want the whole mess that could be created if Georgia, Michigan, and TCU lose. Here's my issue with it. You're just you're coming out in the weeks before, weeks before, for a television show to sell more advertising, which is essentially what that is about, the college football playoff selection show. You're coming out weeks before and you're setting a precedent that you have to stick by. So it doesn't Alabama and Tennessee don't play. It doesn't matter. There's 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 no drama in the SEC this weekend. That to me is really troubling. Maybe it's a one off, Amanda. But the fact that you have three teams that are um, that were in the mix last week and now you only have one and we know what it's going to be. Alabama could sneak in there. Maybe probably not. That, to me, just takes all the drama out of the championship weekend for the SEC. Well, yeah, I think it's more – the the thing that takes more of the drama out of it is is not so much that uh, what we're going to have play out. It's the way that it's set up in the SEC. You have an SEC West. You have an SEC East. If we took that out of the equation, which I know a lot of Tennessee fans are pushing for, then you would have a different SEC championship this weekend. You wouldn't have a, a nine and three LSU team in there. Like you, you wouldn't. You'd have Tennessee playing Georgia for the SEC championship. You did a one two. Is that what you're talking about? No, yeah. divisions. no divisions. Do you have a problem with that, Caleb? I don't have a problem with that. You know, I don't have a problem with it when it's fourteen teams. <laughs> I actually kind of do when it goes to sixteen teams. And I, the only reason I say that is there. If you stick with eight conference games, when you go to sixteen teams. I mean, you're going to have massive gaps in schedule strength in the conference. And the, there, it could be really skewed who the one and two is and at that point. Whereas right now, you know, it, it's mostly settled on the field. The only difference in schedule strength is you may play two different opponents from another team in your division. Um, I, I would have been okay with it if you kept it at 12 or go to 14. But this is – the SEC is going to 16 teams, guys, and – I mean, again, what happens if one 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 team plays Vanderbilt, Kentucky, um, South Carolina? I know South Carolina is good. Maybe I should lay off South Carolina. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Missouri, and then another one is playing like Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, which I think LSU is going to be a powerhouse for years to come. I mean, they're they're just there will be years where one team plays like like all eight of their games. Six of them are at the bottom feeders of the SEC that year, and then another team, six of their eight games are at the top six teams in the SEC, and then we're going to debate, oh, why does this team have the better record and they get to play for the SEC title? Travis brought up an interesting point. So what if Purdue and LSU both win by 40-plus? It still doesn't affect them while play the game. Yeah, I mean, that – Not going to happen. Well, I mean, not. I think it would affect them. I mean, I, I think there's a difference. I think 
And I think the college football playoff committee has, has shown that there's a difference. If you get blown out in this game, if Georgia gets blown out by LSU, then Georgia's going to drop out. I'm sorry, they are. I don't, I don't care. You know, people will be like, you're crazy. No, they're going to drop out because the way that you lose matters. And we've seen that with the college football playoff. It does not, it doesn't say it. And everybody will jump on that. No, 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 no. That's not the case. I mean, that might be in writing, but we've seen it. The way that you lose matters. That's why Tennessee is ranked behind Alabama, because the way that you lose matters to the college football playoff committee. If anybody goes into their championship game this weekend and loses by 40 plus, they're out. I'm sorry. They're out. They're not going to put them back in there. Yeah. And I think the injury, as you mentioned, plays into it a lot, too. All right. So we've got a lot of people talking about the future, 2023, 2024. Please hit that like button. And if you haven't yet subscribed, we'd greatly appreciate that. Share as well. And uh, let's get to today's tough question brought to you in part by Viles Automotive Group. It's about integrity on Callahan. They've got a great car selection and they also have a service department that will take care of you. But, you know, you're getting a great deal with integrity at Viles Automotive Group. Also, Big Orange Phillies in North Knoxville. Big Orange Phillies is family friendly, great food and a great environment to hang out with. Uh, they hang out in. They've got darts, billiards. They've got the whole nine yards. So you'll love it at Big Orange Phillies. Convenient to Maynardville. Powell and uh, Carnes and more. Let's get to today's tough question. We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh my God. All right, guys. Pretty simple. I want to turn to Alex Golish, who is a finalist for the Broyles Award. That used to be pretty common when Tennessee had a guy named David Cutcliffe. I think John Chavis was even nominated at one point. But it hasn't been so common lately. I guess John Jancic maybe. Um, the, your your thoughts on potentially Alex Golish going elsewhere. Caleb, let me start with you. How big of a blow would that be? How concerned should Tennessee fans be about that? I mean, that's actually kind of a big deal. Alex Golish has been with Josh Heifel for for – a few years now, but I would say not the worst thing in the world because Josh Heupel's only undefeated regular season came without Alex Golish as his offensive coordinator. That was with Jeff Lebby in 2018 at UCF. Um, so it's as big of a deal as who is Josh Heupel's next hire going to be. Um, and so I, I think it is a concern. We know that from what, from everything I've studied and learned covering this team. And I think you know about this too, Dave, Alex Golish is the one calling the plays, not Josh Heupel. Um, I think Josh Heupel comes up with the formations to a certain degree. Um, but Alex Golish is the one who actually calls these specific plays. So that makes it a big deal. Not as big of a deal as when Ed Orgeron, like if Ed Orgeron losing uh, Steve Ensminger or, you know, when Phil Fulmer lost David Cutcliffe, because it's not like Josh Heupel is just a, hands-off guy who lets the offensive coordinator run to the show. I mean, it's Josh Heifel's offense, but he does let his coordinator call the play. So it's it, it, it does depend on the hire to a certain degree, but we've seen Josh Heifel succeed with other coordinators. He himself succeeded as a coordinator. So, it, it, again, it depends on the hire. I have faith in – Josh Heifel seems like the type of coach that's going to make the right hire for this one. He kind of knows his system. Yeah, I don't think Amanda the – I don't think it would be that big of a blow 
to be real honest with you. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is because of exactly what Caleb said. And I want to cite back to what David Cutcliffe said to me one time. He said that he thinks play calling is overrated. Well, that didn't sit well with the fans at the time. But what he meant is that the game prep and play design is really the key. So much like a triple option, if you think of Nebraska way back in the day, this is an offense that I think somewhat runs itself as long as the quarterback's in tune. I'd rather have the quarterback in tune than the offensive coordinator because I, I don't think the offensive coordinator is challenged with a lot of tough play calls. I think it's pretty much uh, an option read on the quarterback's shoulders. I don't think it's a significant loss. I really don't, as long as you make the right hire after. Yeah, I think it depends on who you hire after. I think that will determine how big of a loss that it actually is. I mean, we've seen a lot of this at, you know, Alabama with Saban constantly. It's like a revolving door down there. And it depends on the loss of the coordinator depends on who you put in afterwards. So if you have somebody that's decent, that that can pick up where the coordinator left off, then you're good. If you have somebody like Bill O'Brien, then you're not. So it just depends on basically the next person up. There's always going to be somebody who is as good as the person that was there before. Always. You just have to find out who that is. Yeah, Amanda kind of alluded to what I was going to get to, Caleb, and that is that Josh Heupel may be a Nick Saban type on offense like Saban is on defense. He may be that guy who ultimately... I've been told by coaches under Nick Saban that he can tear up an offensive playbook on a Thursday night and you can start doing something else. Um, so he he kind of manipulates everything. I think Josh Heupel, not so much to the defense, but definitely the offense, and to some, some extent the defense as well, I think he's calling the shots. So I, I think it's very Saban-esque-like on the offensive side especially in that he's going to find somebody that calls a rock plays and plugs it in. And we had a question from uh, Travis, I believe. No, he has not gone to this point, but Cincinnati has shown pretty strong interest and he has Midwestern roots. So, Caleb, I don't I don't think this is a monstrous issue, you? No, I, I think it could, like I said, it could be a big deal. But yeah, I mean, look at, you know, I, I kind of talked myself out of it as I was talking to you guys. I'm like, yeah, it's not as, as serious of a deal. You're right. Um, mainly because Heifel has proven himself without Golish already. And, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's kind of a Nick Saban for offense. I, I think Heifel, that's a really good comparison. And, you know, it it's something that held Kirby Smart back for years, I feel like, getting a head coaching job, is everybody thought Nick Saban was really calling the plays. Um, so, you know, it um, it is what it is. Uh, I think – I agree. I think he should be fine. Heck, he might just promote somebody from on his staff to that job. Maybe somebody – maybe a position coach has been working under him. Well, is that's that – that's what I was going to go to. So uh, Joey Housel is there. And the two potential issues I see with Golish leaving is him taking a couple of coaches with him, which they would be, you know, Housel is just two years removed from being uh, uh, basically an intern. So for him to get even a position coach or uh, to be more of a position coach than just quarterbacks or him to, now he may stay at Tennessee and be the offense coordinator. He may, get the offer at Cincinnati to beat offense coordinator. But anyway, that that is the concern is if you have two or three coaches leave. And Caleb, the other thing that you brought up is, listen, I remember doing a story on Randy Sanders, talking to him and his dad at a Cracker Barrel about how he was probably going to be the next head coach of the balls. Well, we know how that turned out. 
So, you know, he was kind of the coach in waiting quietly um, whenever Philip Fulmer broke uh, General Neyland's record. That never happened. But ultimately, if, if they lose if they lose a bunch of two or three coaches to a staff, that's troublesome. And the other way it's troublesome, Caleb, to me, is if it's a slow burn. That's the way it was with Randy Sanders. It was like this, oh, kind of stumble along. Oh, found this guy, Casey Clawson. So he's able to get you through some hard times. Iceman, great on the road. He's fantastic. Oh, you're surviving. You don't want to survive with an offensive coordinator in this system for two, three, four years. Then you stagnate. Oh, yeah. And you really, what you do is you end up delaying a situation when the bottom falls out of the program because they're not addressing things at the time because things are kind of being masked during the slow burn. Um, great example of that was Butch Jones' tenure. Mike DeBoard and Josh Dobbs extended Butch, Butch Jones' career by two years. Yes. Um, and, you know, it, I even go back to the 70s. I think Condridge Holloway may have extended Bill Battle's tenure at Tennessee. Um, you know, the program was falling apart. And when Condridge Holloway left, the bottom fell out of the program in 1975 and 76. Um, and so, but yeah, mo- most recently it was Mike DeBoard and Josh Dobbs. If, if they aren't there, Butch Jones is probably fired at the end of 2015. And instead there was a slow burn. DeBoard and Dobbs were gone. There was a poaching of staff. And then, the bottom of bottoms fell out in 2017 and the worst season in Tennessee football history. Um, so I, I agree with you on that about the slow burn. Um, and I remember funny enough, early two thousands, there was a lot of criticism of Casey Clawson towards his later years. Cause it seemed like he wasn't developing as much as a quarterback. He looked as good as a, as a senior as he did as a freshman. There are two things with that. He didn't develop enough physically. I mean, you don't have to be a weight room warrior, but it, I remember a scout coming up to me on the pro day and said the worst thing that Casey Clawson did was take his shirt off. So, I, you know, he needed to get stronger and bigger. Um, and the other thing I think was coaching. I don't think Randy Sanders developed him uh, nearly as much as you look back at David Cutcliffe with the Mannings. Uh, I just, I don't think Casey Clawson really ever continued to develop. You didn't see the jab step a lot that, um, that Cutcliffe had taught. You just didn't see the development as a quarterback. And ultimately I think that Casey kind of plateaued and I don't know why I still have never, never understood Amanda, why the fans didn't like Casey Claus. I've never understood in my life. He, you know, he seemed like he had an ego, but he really didn't. He won on the road. I mean, what more do you want? Uh, but fans hated Casey Clawson for some reason. Well, that's the thing. He seems like he has an ego, but he really didn't. But if he seems like he has one, <laughs> then people think he has one. So, I mean, I think that's the thing uh, with when it comes to quarterbacks. And we talked about this, you know, on Monday, the ego thing really, it, it really sits poorly with some people. I, I'm one of them. I don't, I hate it when people have like a huge ego in it and you can see it, AKA Caleb Williams. Um, but as far as Alex Golish is concerned, I don't really think that there's going to be, uh, that feeling of him taking all of these people away from Tennessee. It's, it's Cincinnati. I mean, Cincinnati can't afford to pay people like Tennessee can afford to pay people, even if they like Alex Golish or they believe in him, why wouldn't you want to stick around, see what Heifel has done and, and stay? I mean, I, I don't think you'll leave. 
Well, I think that uh, Halsley, and I'm sorry I mispronounced his name earlier. I think that here's a potential issue is if Golish were to leave and offer Halsley the uh, OC job wherever he goes and Tennessee says, no, stay here. We don't think we can do any better. Just stay here. That's kind of what happened with Randy Sanders. There wasn't a huge search for an OC after Cutcliffe left. So, Caleb, that would be my concern if I'm a Tennessee fan. Well, that was – in 1998, if Tennessee wanted to, they could have conducted a search. They would just won the national championship, and that was Fulmer being, you know, keep everything in-house with our guys. Um, I would say that it's a bit of a red flag, honestly, if Hosley doesn't get an OC job either at Cincinnati or Tennessee. And the reason I say that is, yes, he's very young. And, yeah, he really didn't have an on-field role until a couple of years ago. But, you know, he's been working with Josh Heupel since Heupel was at Oklahoma. I mean, he played at Oklahoma, and then he immediately started working under Josh Heupel. So he's been working under him for 12, 14 years. And you start to think, if he can't get be the offensive coordinator in the system now, will he ever be able to be an offensive coordinator? Um, and that that's a question you kind of have to ask. At least with Randy Sanders, the reason you can criticize that one is, Randy Sanders wasn't even a quarterback's coach. I, I, I'm sorry, like, I think there is a little more value in an offensive coordinator who whose experience was coaching quarterbacks because Sanders, if I remember, was a running backs coach yes. in the 90s and coached some amazing running backs. But, I mean, is there much – Dave, tell me, is there much coaching a running backs coach does? No. That's where you hide a <laughs> recruiter. No. You, yeah. You, you, you coach pass protection and you run the green. That's right. Great. Exactly. Running back is the most all-about talent position there is in football. You don't have to really teach the player to be elite as a running back. And so, yeah, I, I felt the same way. So a quarterback's coach is different, though. And Hosley, had, at least because when Cutcliffe left, they lost her. I think he was the quarterback's coach, too. So they lost their yes. quarterback's coach. And so that's where it's a little bit different, where you have your quarterback's coach on staff right now, and your offense is very quarterback-centric. Bit of a, honestly, this is one where if you promote from within, it actually would make sense, and it may be a bit of a red flag on Hosley if you don't promote from within. We'll see. Um, I think Halsley should certainly be a top candidate and is Cincinnati, who reportedly is interested in Deion Sanders, too. I can't see that he would make that move, nor would they actually hire him. Some of these lists, I'll go ahead and tell you, are just absolutely what comes to a reporter's head at the time because um, I've done some of these lists. Um, and speaking of listings, AndyMasonRealEstate.com, the top real estate agency in Knoxville. No question about it. You got to go to andymasonrealestate.com. Don't make a mistake. That'll cost you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Go to a realtor with over 40 years of experience on his team and a realtor that has two basic tenants in his business. That is the best price, the best service. How about that? So Caleb Calhoun, have an exciting day, sir. We certainly appreciate your time and uh, look forward to uh, fantastic things uh, coming up. So thank you, sir. All right. Have a good one, guys. All right. He is Caleb Calhoun. Coming up, it'll be Ron Slay. So hang with me for two minutes. We got a lot going on. And I'll remind you that portions of this program are brought to you by Guardian Investment Advisors. It has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. 
Call Guardian Investment Advisors today. Hey folks, Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies, located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. This is Al's Dish Barbecue Supplies, so come on in. See all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help, so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food, and we'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, where Chattanooga goes to grill. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at cctis.com. Please allow me to introduce myself. Welcome back. Ron Slade to join us very shortly. That's brought to you by Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach's got your back. A, an attorney that will take care of you. A personal injury attorney with all the abilities of the big insurance companies and the attorneys they use to get you the right amount of payment for personal injury issues. That could be a car wreck. That could be whatever. But Zach England in Chattanooga will... Take care of you, no question about it. So I want to encourage you to check him out at Best and Brock. He's the best uh, personal injury attorney in the Chattanooga area. So certainly check out Zach England. Zach's got your back. So, boy, uh, before we get to Ron Slay, I did want to mention the uh, Hugh Freeze hiring. I'm curious what you thought about that, Amanda. Based off what I've been told, they made a serious run at Lane Kiffin that that run was either hampered by one of two was was hampered by one of two things one it was the fact that lane kiffin didn't want to go there for whatever reason which really surprises me i was told all along that he did that means that he didn't feel comfortable in some of the final stages or two that they wanted freeze i don't think the most likely between the two is the latter and the reason i say that is because listen, if you're if you're if you hire Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss at Auburn, excuse me, you're immediately active in the transfer portal. You're immediately a factor. With Hugh Freeze, I think this is more of a slow burn. The other off the field thing, Hugh Freeze is public. We've all talked about Lane Kiffin's potential issues. Those are not as public, but pretty well known. 
So there you are. They end up with Hugh Freeze. Your thoughts, knowing that program of ending up with Hugh Freeze. Um, <clears throat> Auburn's going to Auburn, I guess. And <laughs> I mean, the biggest thing that Hugh Freeze has going for him is he beat Saban back to back years. Like that's that's really his his big selling point. Um, as far as everything else goes, he uh, the the, a- the accusations, the stuff that is known um, that he did and he admitted to is not great. The other accusations out there is really bad. They're really terrible from victims of apparently his sexual assault. It's very. Very, very bad. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying he did it. I'm not saying he didn't. I'm just saying the accusations that are out there against him are real, real ugly. So. Well, we're going to get to uh, Ron Slay right now. Ron Slay joins us. He's with 104.5 The Zone, and he is the man out of Nashville. You can listen to him with Brent Doherty each and every weekday in the afternoons in Nashville. Ron, how are you, sir? I'm good. You can't forget about Don Davenport. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. Don's awesome. Don's awesome. <laughs> nah, yeah. I just, I've known Brent. See, I did. See, Amanda? See what we got to do I with? see it. I see I, it, man. I know. Yeah, it's I rough know. out here, man. These hooky streets. Of, I'm part of the problem all of a sudden. <laughs> all right, Ron. Uh, until Don, I said hello. Um, uh, Ron, I want to talk some hoops first, but uh, hoops in a minute. But first, let me get your thoughts on Tennessee and the college football playoff and being behind Alabama. I'll just go ahead and tell you, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, just kind of, what do you think? Yeah, it don't make sense to me either. I think there's so many different avenues that you go down with this, man. And uh, I think that's the most difficult part. If you could have something concrete that you say, hey, this is the criteria. Don't start tailoring the criteria <laughs> to, to help you, you know, put a t- team in a different place or to soothe a different fan base or whatever it may be. Um, that's why we got to this point. You know, we were supposed to be able to take the the element out of it of uh, computers computing, you know, and then finally get to this and get the human the human aspect of it. And now this is a problem because, you know, it's wavering so much. You know, if you take teams that go head to head, that's the part for me that I don't understand. And then you get a lot of fan bases, um, uh, especially Alabama saying that, um, you know, the South Carolina loss was a bad loss and it was. Without question, that was a, a really bad loss and a black eye on it. But my whole thing is if, if you're going to take credit and discount something for a loss against South Carolina, then you have to give credit and take account for the blowout against LSU. You know what I'm saying? When you like they're using that saying Alabama lost, they lost by uh, two against LSU and then they lost by three against. Well, okay, if that's the case, then and you're going to use the South Carolina loss against it and you're using head to head. Then Tennessee blew out LSU at home. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't never a game from start to finish. So you're saying they won and by two points, you're giving LSU credit and making Alabama seem like, man, that, that was that was a tough game. Well, it wasn't for Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? So you look at it and the South Carolina aspect of it, yes, yeah, a bad loss. I totally understand. And another thing I don't understand also is the element of bringing in you know, when you lose a guy like Hendon Hooker, like you brought up last week, which I think was a great comparison um, with the NCAA tournament and what I had to go through with Tennessee and we losing John Higgins. But in this, in this facet, 
you got Joe Milton stepping in and people saying, you don't know how good he's going to be. Well, they wouldn't pitch the shutout and they put up 50 plus points. So if you're going off what they're saying, this team right here as, as constructed right now, that's all you got to go on. You ain't got no expectations of Joe can't hit the mark on the long balls like Hendon can. All you can go off of is they went and pitched a shutout against a team that beat the top 25 team in Kentucky on the road and a team in Florida that had good expectations, wasn't supposed to lose. So I, I just don't know, man. That, it's too much gray area. You know, if you can just make it concrete and we can stick with that, I think it'll be a much more of an understanding. And then, like, you're always going to have people that's going to be unhappy. But you, you can't have it where you're able to tailor. And that's what I feel is going on. You're able to tailor these votes and everything for what team is in front. And if it was Tennessee at eighth or ninth and Alabama at sixth, I don't think we have a discussion. But with it being six and seven, one behind, I think that's where it falls and you like, Come on, dog. This don't even make sense. Yeah, that's fair. Amanda, you want to jump in there? Um, I don't. I mean, I, I, I think the playoff committee needs to. They have the criteria, but we know that they don't follow it, right? Because, like, one of the, you know, one of the committee chairs came out and said, "Well, Alabama's this because they lost so close," and it could have been determined one way or the other, whereas Tennessee got blown out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think getting blown out by it's, it's very clear that the committee values close wins or close wins, close losses, close losses. over mm-hmm. blowout losses. And that's mm-hmm. not in the criteria. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not in it at all, but we see that they're making judgment calls based on that. So if, this is the problem with having a human element in it and not having like the BCS where it's just mathematical. If you're having that human element, there's always going to be that room. So either it's like the Heisman, either Mm -hmm. take out, you know, take out if the character doesn't matter, take the character out of the creed, which Mm -hmm. they did, they ended up doing or have it and make it matter. With right. the college football playoff committee, if you have these criteria and you, these rules, then they need to matter. If they don't matter, then take them away. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And that, I'm, I think you put it plain and simple. And I think we can go round and round all day long <laughs> with how is it's not right, you know. But and I, I think this is speaking from a point, a place of not even just being a Tennessee fan, like, but just having something to go on, like. It's, having it, common sense yeah like, like, <laughs> what are, what are we doing here like I, I think we got to get past this point at some and i think the, the easiest way is to to take it to eight teams or 10 teams or 12 teams or whatever the playoff picture will look like and then with the parity in college football and then you, you kind of put that out of the way and you let the players and the teams kind of kind of handle for themselves and dictate where they're going to end up during the playoff Ron's appearance brought to you by Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach's got your back, the best personal injury attorney in Chattanooga, period, end of discussion. Ron, let me turn to this in a weird sort of way. So the SEC championship game basically has no meaning, and then I want to get strictly to basketball. So the, the SEC championship game has basically no meaning because if Georgia loses, they're still going to get in. LSU can win, and they're not going to get in because they've got three losses. So – Ron, you've been in a similar situation. <laughs> you've gone to the SEC conference um, playoff, the uh-huh. postseason, and not the NCAA tournament, but the postseason tournament for the SEC. You've been to the SEC tournament when you kind of knew or had a rough idea 
where you're going to be. How challenging is, is that to get motivated when you, you know, you're in already? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's challenging a little bit. Um, I think location was the biggest thing for us. Um, what drove us when we were in the SEC tournament my sophomore year um, was we played in Nashville. So it was kind of easy to get up for, you know, we that, that year compared to even though Atlanta is just down the street, um, the playing in the Georgia Dome at that time was it's just so big and it's, you know, you, it, it just it didn't feel right. It didn't feel like a, to me. It didn't feel like a basketball game, even with um, playing in Syracuse. You know, when they cut it in half, you know, it still felt you could it felt like a big, big uh, stadium, a big arena. But at the same time, it was cut in half and you could feel like a basketball feel in there. Then they had rich and tradition. Atlanta playing in Georgia, no, man, it wasn't that wasn't nothing, man. I, I was I was cool with that. When they put us in Bridgestone. It felt like basketball. It felt more like NBA style, and we got up for it. We got up for that. Then, so you got to find little things to, to kind of motivate you, and that's how we were, man. We were like, man, okay, we, if we not if we do lose, because not like we weren't trying to win, but if we do lose, man, we're gonna be all right. Like we ain't playing for our life in this, you know. what I mean, South Carolina beat us, Ole Miss beat us. All right, cool. We'll see y'all. Let's. Our idea was let's see you in the NCAA tournament. Where yeah. it really matter at, and we're gonna spank you. You know what I'm saying? So. That's the way we, we kind of felt, but nah, I don't know, man. It, it, by the, by the way, why were you dancing on, was it Instagram recently that you were dancing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was actually just being cool that day. And, um, you know, uh, um, uh, a Vandy fan, um, went on social media and hit me and said, um, you know, you guys should know, no, you should know how to act when, you get a win. And this is only when I was tweeting. I was like, man, great, great job. You know what I mean? Great season, Vanderbilt, great season. Like, I'm I'm being cordial, you know what I mean, and everything. And they went and wrote that. And so I said, you know what? It seems like you're asking for me not to know how to act. So I'm going to go and not know how to act. So I went and put on the song Candy, which is a song I love. And this is, hey, hey I just played it up for everybody. And that's how I really felt, you know. I'll always play that, and that's a part of it. So if you just leave me alone, don't poke the bear, everything will be all right. All right, let's 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 talk about poking the bear. The ball's in action tonight. Um, mm-hmm. uh, do you know anything about McNeese State, or do we need to know anything about McNeese State? Um, I think in matchups like this, man, you, you don't. Um, you let the players do all the scouting reports, and they should figure it out. What you want to see as a fan and um, really as a coach, it's how you go out and you dictate the game. You know what I'm saying? Like you going in and yes, transfer Porter has made it a lot of parody in college basketball, but you're the more inferior opponent. Like you are the big dog in this matchup. So you go out and set the tone, make them play to your pace. You dictate the game, you dictate the pace, the physicality of it, everything, you know? So if you go out there and get to sleepwalking, then you could be in trouble anytime. And that's what you don't want to go back to the film session and watch. You know, you're getting ahead with this, what is, I think, a three-game homestand before you get ready to go play up Maryland and Arizona. So you want to you want to get some things sharpened up, coming off a good win, um, a good tournament in the Battle for Atlanta. So you want to build on that. You know, with team chemistry, guys playing in different positions, different roles, you want all that to take place right now and just keep building, keep building, keep building. Tyreek Key, you really want him to be able to find out what's his role. 
you know, I think coming into the season, you looked at him and he was like, man, he can score. Well, if that's the case, Tyreek Key, score. Like, you help us when you score. You don't help us when you pump fake dribble pass. We don't need none of that. We need you to space the floor, knock them shots down like Santi does. Um, you have those guys being able to spread the floor and where you can throw the ball into the post of the Euros and um, Olivier and guys like that and have them be able to go one-on-one. And then when they collapse, kick it out. You kick it out to a guy like Zakai, you ain't got an open shot. We want you to penetrate. and You create for another guy. So I think it's just familiarity with the roles and things like that. If Josiah comes back and play, keep getting him acclimated, which I think he's doing a great job of coming in and they're taking caution with him with his knee injury because you need him in conference play, not necessarily in this play. You don't want to rush that back. So I think it's just about getting the chemistry and everybody, you know, defining their roles. If you have a question for Ron, you can get on board now, get on the message board and post, and we'll pass it along to Ron. What did you think of uh, Santi last week, by the way? He had a pretty good time there in Atlantis, right? Man, Santi is Santi, man. I mean, this young man, I, I don't know if he – if when he rolls out of the bed, does he pick up a lighter and, like, kind of light his forearms and what, you know what I mean, to make sure his flamethrower is activated. But, boy, when he get going – he gets going, man, and that's that's why when you, you you got a guy playing that well from the perimeter, being able to shoot and space the floor that way, and make and you're not able to lead them, leave them. You need other guys like Tariq Key. You know that's why it's so important for him to be able to counter him and be able to have that other side of the floor where they can't help. So really, if it comes down to it, like in the Michigan game, they just took guys out of it and really made us play a three on three game. You know, in some cases, three on four because we're going high pick and roll and they were compact in the paint, giving the ball to the big man and the big man Euros having to make a pass. They was leaving Zakai open. They were leaving Josiah open. All of this is because they couldn't leave Santi. And that's what Santi brings to the game. He brings a, a force, man, to be reckoned with. You give him an inch of daylight and he's going to fire it and it's going to be money. So I think, man, him – the leadership of him is growing. Um, him really understanding who he is, um, the impact he has on this team is great. And, man, we just got to get just a little bit more help. And I, I think you may have that, too, in a guy like Julian Phillips, which is strange for a guy like a freshman like that to be able to get the reins, which is, I think, doing another, another great job of inserting him and Josiah being out, kind of forcing Julian Phillips to grow up a little quicker than you would if Josiah was in there. So that leash gets a little bit longer. You know what I mean? If, if, if Josiah's in there, then you make that one mistake, like Julian Phillips, you pull you out the game, talk to you, you got to go back in. Now it's kind of like, hey, man, get it right, keep playing. Get it right, keep playing. So he's learning with experience and learning on the go, which is, is great for him. I think it's going to bode well for us. Sam asked what you thought about Jonas to this point. What are your thoughts on I do? Love him. Love him. You can see him getting healthier, getting stronger. You looked at him last year. He still looked like a little bit of a deer um, at times. It was like, man, what's wrong with his leg? Well, his legs wobble when he run. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, come on, man. Get some strength. You know? But now you don't see that anymore. He's running the floor gracefully, um, down there protecting. Um, is able to make more than one jump. Um, so when he goes up to block a shot, he's not coming down, having to get his balance, get strength, and go back up. He's like a pogo stick. Boom, boom, bouncing. Defect, um, uh, defending the rim, getting rebounds, getting tip-ins, a lob, a lob threat the whole time. So 
I love I love Jonas to do. I think that's the that's the biggest thing, man. Or do what he brings to the game, and then being able to step out and shoot. That's a different aspect, and you know, not getting caught up in this is how I'm going to impact the game by being able to shoot this trailer three. You know, the trailer three is a bonus for him. Um, he's playing inside, and he knows he's in there to dunk, rebound, get um, um, get putbacks, uh, and protect the paint. But also being able to step out, whew, that's beautiful. Because so now you you bring a different aspect where you can play two seven footers down there. You play Euros at the same time where they do, or you can mix it up with Olivier, or you know you throw your side in the mix. Like you got some good things to work with if you're Barnes, man, because of the offseason work that they do is done. So I'm, I'm loving how he's coming along. I'm going in left field just a little bit, and then Amanda's going to jump in here. Well, who's going to who's going to catch it when you go out there to left field? Uh, I don't know. Probably nobody. Okay. But um, <laughs> I mean, I'm going Wait a minute. He always goes to left field. Nobody's out there. <laughs> Have you got any indication how much longer Rick Barnes wants to coach? Because the elusive national championship is out there. He is getting up there in age. I know the feeling. Mm-hmm. What do, you, do you have any insight into that? Do you have any vibe? No, I don't, man. I think um, something that pushes that along to make you make that decision earlier is when you lose connection with the generation of kid that you're recruiting. Um, And that's why it always goes back to the staff with me. He's done a great job of putting a good young staff around him that can relate to these guys where he can kind of get checked if need to. Like, Coach, man, you got to evolve a little bit. You can't can't keep coaching this type of way, all right? You got to change your thoughts on this or something like that. And he's been open to it. So I think as long as that's happening um, and he has a good feel and relationship with these guys off the floor – then I, I I think it'll it'll all it'll all be good and it can at least have I say about seven to eight more years. Like I don't want to put a cap on it or anything like that, man. But it's I mean it's at some point you got to hang up. But you know um, I, I I don't know, man. He, he got a good relationship. That's the biggest thing, man. If you're still able to impact guys on the floor and growth and development, and then also as a human off the floor, I, I say keep going. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be in great shape, so it, mm-hmm. it seems to just be rolling on. And we had a question on the message board about Mayshack. What do you think about his play to this point? Man, love Mayshack. Man, the the ability that he's brought to the game and being able to score this year, I think, is a difference. You know, a lot of times last year, you couldn't keep him on the floor because he couldn't make that open three or he was he was hesitant to, to take a pull-up or – didn't understand on offense, I mean, if he doesn't have the ball, what do I do if I'm not screening? Like, he has better timing as far as going to the backboard for rebounds. Um, also, knowing when to get back on defense if another guard is taking a shot, the defensive rotation, everything, man. He, you can tell a year of experience and um, him really putting in work in the offseason has really helped. So, I, um, I think his key was being able to put the ball in the hole. I think that's what limited him in this play last year. He came back and answered the bell for that. Who are you most impressed with on this team so far this season? Who am I impressed with? Uh, two people. Um, Big Eros. Um, reason being, I thought kind of like Meshack, but just opposite because he's in the paint. He wasn't able to play because of uh, stamina in some cases and not being able to be a threat to score on drop-off passes, or if we give you the ball in the post, being able to just make a little baby hook, left hand or right hand. I think that's really um, stretched this game out and able to 
really good time. So now you're not just looking like a big brute guy, your physicality, you bring talking to the game and all that. Now you can really have an impact, you know, outside of that part of the game. So I'm impressed by him and the other guy. Of course, Josiah, of course, Zakai, um, but Julian Phillips, man, the way he's come along, you know, um, I was saying um, last week, like he's impressed me because he has the he has the opportunity to have an impact to me like a Vincent Yarbrough. Um, wow. And I say that, yeah, that's – and I don't compare a lot of people to my guy Vince, man, because dude is special. He, he did a lot of stuff that didn't show up in the stat sheet. But when you talk about length, um, knowing your game from the outside, shooting the ball when, when it's given, inside not settling um, for jumpers, but being able to penetrate, going and attacking the rim um, – defensively he could really be a problem and this was what we always used to stress about with Vince like with your length and your athletic ability you can be an all SEC defender without question to go along with what you got going on on offensive end Vince was one of the only people that I've known that could steal the ball if the ball is at the top of the key and you're denying a guy on the wing you're taught to play with your inside hand as the hand that steals it so they go back door you can just turn your head and go back door with them vince is the only person that could steal the ball with his with his hand going the opposite way it is yeah. kind of hard for me so if he was going he's, he's supposed to play with his left hand up so to, to deny that pass he was able to not play with his left hand up and when they pass the ball be able to steal it with his inside hand as his right hand and take it that's that's so difficult to do because a fake and they go back door and the whole play is broken down. But Vince was able to recover just because of the skill and the length that he had. Like no one could do that. Only person I saw could do that was him. Um, and Julian Phillips brings that kind of aspect to it. Um, hopefully he can keep honing in or keep building going into conference play and don't hit that conference wall. And if he does, it's only like one or two games and he can shake out of it and keep on building. So and that's, that's my guess. And that's a real thing. I mean, I've mm-hmm. definitely seen that before. Uh, Josiah Jordan James could come back this weekend, but uh, we had a comment on the message board. How has his injury helped younger players, you think? Yeah, I think I think it's, it's given them opportunities. And it's also given them opportunities to, for Coach Barnes to be able to pull a guy like Sakai and be like, man, you're not starting anymore. Um, Tariq, he puts you in there. And Tariq doesn't get the opportunity to look over his shoulder and be like, hey, man, what should I do? What should I do? You got to figure it out. You got to figure it out on the fly. I think that's one thing Josiah brings. He brings that comfort and that security to guys that you're able to look over and be like, Joe, what I'm supposed to do? And he wrangle everybody in there, or he just take the bull by the horns and he lead the group. So you got other guys stepping up. I think that's what the key was with this team last year. Everybody had a voice. Everybody was in a leadership role. But with guys you got helping out this year, Meshach, Zakai, you got Tariq Key, got all these guys coming in, and all of them are now figuring out that they got to have a voice and can't depend on anybody else to kind of pull them through. They got to go out and do it themselves. So when you add your side back to the to the to the to the core of this team, it plays different. And you go from eight deep to nine to ten deep automatically because you get a two for one with Josiah being able to play inside and outside. So and then you also saw Julian Phillips kind of get thrust into that role at the forward position with guys getting in foul trouble. So that's key. I don't think you get to see him at the fourth spot if Josiah is still plan so you know all, all the maturation of these guys man with him being out is is ooh, is great 
Ron, great stuff, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Again, Ron's appearance brought to you by Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach's got your back. And, Ron, I think the spread's 33 and a half tonight. Yeah. Are you taking Tennessee minus 33 and a half? I most definitely am. And I'm going to tell you one thing, and I I, I got this from the team. Um, when we used to play, and we would play a team like this, a lesser talented team or um, a lower D1 team, we would come out and set the bar. And I would always say, hey, man, we're not letting this score, this team score more than 20 points in the first half. So if everybody took on that mindset, like I don't care what they do, I don't care how we play, if they can only score 20 points in 20 minutes, we got them. Regardless, we'll make a second-half run. Everybody will be woken up and we'll get going. But if we can lock in defensively, so if this group can continue to do things like that, which we saw in the battle for Atlantis, then, hey, I'm taking the under and I'm taking them to cover. Ron? You're awesome as always, buddy. We will talk to you soon. I greatly appreciate it. All right, peace. Go balls, baby. <laughs> Ron Slay, I want to remind you that's brought to you by Zach England of Best of Brock, best personal injury attorney in Chattanooga, and Zulbeer, xulbeer.com. Zulbeer.com is the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports with Amanda LaPrada. I'm Dave Hooker. We're coming back to you in two minutes. I remind you this, I can see without glasses or contacts because of Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. They are phenomenal on Wise Garber. Think local. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn. I have LASIK. You can too. It's phenomenal. So give me two minutes. We'll be back with this day in sports history. A pretty good one for the uh, balls and a pretty good one that I remember being a kid watching Monday Night Football a long time ago. Stay tuned. Sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do, and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left, and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. This day in sports history, putting things in perspective.
exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. You're so old when you were a kid, rainbows were black and white. And Amanda LaFrada. You kids on the block just called. They wanted you as a backup dancer. So I was but a young boy sitting there watching Monday Night Football, and this was the night that Bo Jackson went off way back in 91. Oh, my gosh, there's things for that. This is the night he went off against the Seahawks. He had the 80-yard run. He had the run over Brian Bosworth of Nebraska. They were the two Ballyhoop players in that contest, and Bo Jackson quickly uh, showed that he was the, the the better athlete. I don't think there was any question about that, one of the greatest athletes ever. And then thanks to Brittany, we go back to November the 30th. Falls basketball defeated Presbyterian College 86-44 to in their fourth meeting since 2012. No talk about uh, the Vols, man, of running up the score to impress the tournament committee. I don't think. I hope not. I, I don't think so. Yeah. So, go ahead. I want everybody to uh, hit that like button. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. And we do have our uh, Super Chat feature enabled if you want to do that. Everything that we, we take in via Super Chat is going to go back into the program and uh, to make it better on a day-in, day-out basis. Just like um, Ron Slate being a part of the program. We've got some big additions that we're looking forward to. But please hit that like button and share. And we appreciate that. And the Super Chat feature is available. So, uh, Amanda, we've got that going on as well. Um, we, we talked a little bit or quite a bit about um, Alabama and whether or not they should be ahead of Tennessee. But let me just ask you this, because I think they're two separate questions. Amanda, let me start with number one. Who do you think the four best teams are in college football? And then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question of that. So who do you think they are? The four best teams in college football. Uh, it'd have to be Georgia, Michigan. I'm just going to go with what they put, basically. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. I got Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, and Southern Cal as my four best teams um, that I see just from looking at No Michigan? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Michigan instead of Ohio State. I got Michigan. Yeah. Uh, TCU. I've got uh, USC. And uh, who was my fourth team? Oh, my gosh. Georgia. Georgia, obviously. So I've got those four. They're the same as me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Now, as far as what they've accomplished, who would be your four best teams? Would that change at all? Not who you think they are, but what they accomplished. How would that change if at all? I don't think it would change. I think we're sitting here with the four best teams. I don't I don't see it changing accomplishments. It seems like they're exactly the same. So do you think Alabama's better than TCU? I don't think it matters. Honestly, I don't think it matters. It doesn't matter who's better and who's not. It matters how you played. Alabama didn't play better than TCU did, so it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, I think the college football playoff committee, to my point, wants to bring in the four best teams. I think it's why Tennessee's being left out without Hendon Hooker. I think they made that decision as soon as he was injured. So, my, yeah, I think it matters a great deal because to the college football playoff committee, you want to put the four most attractive teams up there. I'm curious if TCU loses, does Alabama get the nod 
to jump in there somehow, some way. That is a named program. You don't think so? No, I think Ohio State gets the nod <clears throat> over Alabama by a long shot. Because I think – I do I think Alabama could beat TCU and USC? Yes. I think they would. Talent-wise, yes, I believe that they have that. But they haven't shown that as a team this season. So I don't think they deserve to go. I don't think – I don't think really – I think there's three teams that deserve it and probably after that. No one else, to be honest, but you have to have a fourth. Um, I don't think Ohio State deserves it. I think they got blown out by their biggest rival at home. I think that was embarrassing for them. Um, but there, if you're if you're looking at brand or you're looking at name or you're looking at what happened this season so far, you're going to put Ohio State in there ahead of Alabama, even if Alabama just lost, you know. In, in the last seconds of each game. It doesn't matter. Orange Blood said, I think the committee absolutely had the hooker injury in mind. I would expect them to do that with any honesty, but we should be in six, not Bama. I agree with that, but I would have Alabama above Ohio State based off a couple of things. The, the way that Alabama has lost this season, it's almost, in my mind, their two losses – equal one loss by Ohio State at home and by double digits. Alabama had to get upset in dramatic fashion in both of their games against LSU and Tennessee. Ohio State just got it handed to them. So I've got two problems with the ranking, and they may conflict with each other. I've got a problem with Ohio State being over Alabama. I've got a problem with Tennessee being below Alabama. So maybe if I scouted it out, I would have four Bama, five tennis i wouldn't have five tennessee i don't know how you mix it in there there's so many varying factors amanda i just i don't don't, if you're factoring in recency at all don't you give alabama some credit yeah if you're factoring in recency but you can't say that ohio state gets blown out and put that against them and then turn around and say tennessee gets blown out by south carolina but you don't put that against them no that's That doesn't make any sense. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. I just have an issue with, I I think if you're looking at how these teams are and how Ohio State hasn't played anybody, I don't see how you have them ahead of Alabama. The strength of schedule is pretty different. And then I've got an issue with Tennessee. But no, I certainly can't put Tennessee ahead of both of those teams. That's where the thrust of, you see the conflict I'm dealing with here? I mean, I see what you're saying. It's a big circle or triangle because if you have Tennessee ahead of Ohio State, Tennessee has two losses and got blown out. If you don't want to count the Georgia one as a blowout, you can at least count the South Carolina one as a blowout by a team that was 6-4 and four at the time. Got blown out um, and, and shouldn't have because of a, a much less talented team. Um but then you turn around and you look at Ohio State and you want to take that blowout against Ohio State. Well, they got blown out by the number three team in the country at the time. So it's it's con- like it's conflicting. And if we're going to go head-to-head matchup, then you'd have to say, well, what about South Carolina? Because they beat Tennessee. All right. So how did they not go ahead of Tennessee if they beat Tennessee? And I understand people say, oh, the record, the record, the record. But there we are again. So it there's no winning with this college football playoff committee. They're not going to win no matter what. 
they're going to lose every time. Because if you put Tennessee ahead of Alabama, but you don't put Ohio State ahead, that, that doesn't make any sense considering their losses were very similar and one was to the number three team in the nation and one was to was to a six and four team in the SEC. So people people are very focused on the fact that Alabama is ranked ahead of Tennessee. It it does not matter. It doesn't matter. Ohio State will get in if somebody drops. You're not gonna have three teams drop this weekend. It's not gonna happen. No, I I tend to agree with that. Um, Again, I've got my issue is with how they're orchestrating all of this. That is that is my main issue. Um, And it just seems like their minds were made up before Saturday and it didn't really matter what happened on on Saturday. But um, listen, if, if you know football well enough and you've watched this Tennessee team play, you know that Joe Milton struggles with his ability to complete balls downfield. But does every committee member know that? I don't know. Um, yeah, And to me, the head-to-head is just a, a monstrous thing. Now, if you look at Tennessee right now, when, when they institute the 12-team playoffs, I mean, there's no way Alabama would be six and Tennessee would be seven because then they would probably play each other uh, in the first round, I believe. Uh, but you're, you've got all kinds of manipulating, Amanda, for different reasons other than the best team. Ultimately, I would like to just see the best four teams rated into discussion, but I don't think that's what we're seeing. No, we're not going to see that because you have to give people like TCU the nod when they go undefeated. And you have to give USC a nod when they have one loss and it's it's barely a loss against Utah. You know, and again, I watched that game. It was it was very much neck and neck. Like there was no clear favorite in that game the entire time so you're not going to get the four best teams in there because it doesn't matter talent wise and all that stuff goes out the window when it when the record comes into play now I think the committee looks at the way that people lose and who they lose to more than what it expresses in the criteria I think that they look at and that's the reason Alabama is ranked over Tennessee they look at a last second loss versus a blowout. That's why Alabama is ranked ahead of Tennessee. Al- yes, Tennessee beat LSU by 27 or, or whatever it was. That was a different, a clearly different LSU team than what we're seeing. Now, that team at that point when Tennessee beat them, I'm not taking that away from Tennessee. That was a really great win. No one expected that. But Jaden Daniels at that point – Versus Jaden Daniels now oh, is a different, yes, is a different Jaden Daniels. I think we all can agree with with that, you know. And then the way that Alabama lost to Tennessee in in Knoxville, I think it, it, they count into the you know seventeen penalties and all that other stuff, right or wrong. I'm not saying one's right. I'm not saying one's wrong. I'm saying right or wrong. That's what the committee is doing. So that's why I say if you're going to do this, be this committee, then take out the criteria because you're not following it. You're not following the criteria. So if you want the four best teams, you don't have them right now. I don't think you have the four best teams one through four. I don't either. So 
who would you have at the as the top four? I don't. I that would take a lot of studying of tape and and things of that nature to figure that out. It just by based on eye test, if I had to pick the four best teams at this very moment, like not taking into consideration what they've done this year by their yeah, record, playing on Saturday. To pl- yes, by the play on Saturday is sadly enough, it would be Michigan. Uh, Georgia, South Carolina, and Alabama. Those would be the four. I don't think South Carolina would fare well in that, but who knows? I don't think so either. But if we're taking just their play on Saturday, those are the people that I would take. And I understand Tennessee beat Vandy 59 to 0 or 56 to 0, whatever it was, but it's Vandy. So, and we're not taking into con- consideration what Vandy did two weeks ago or last week. Joe brought up a really good point. Bama almost lost to AM in Texas, too, to be fair. That's true. That's true. It was an ugly um, Texas win. Ugly. It was an ugly Texas win, but if you if we're looking at it now, they're in the top 20. And Texas AM, they did Alabama almost lost Texas AM. But they did that with their their second string quarterback who's in four turnovers and still managed to pull that game out. That's uh, again. Not saying it's right or it's wrong. If you're judging just week to week, you this week, and as, as bad as it is, you would have even Georgia didn't look that great against Georgia Tech, but they, they pulled it out. I mean, 37 to 7 or whatever it was. But if you're looking at it, you'd have Georgia, Michigan, South Carolina, and Alabama, I think were your your best performances. If you're looking at just that, that would be my opinion. I think Tennessee is was played a great game this past weekend. I think they did. But looking at that game and watching some of the passes that Joe Milton didn't hit and some of the bad balls that were thrown and, you know, it, the fact that a different team would have been able to capitalize on that if it wasn't Mandy. Yep. Let's get to a little message board. Bingo, are you ready? Because this is the way it works. Amanda will read a message board post from a team's message board. If you could tell us who the team is, then you'll win a gift certificate to craft treats where you can get the chill pills are great for your dog's digestive health, uh, arthritis, anxiety, especially with the storm last night, but I was perked up. Well, uh, it gave us some chill pills and we're good to go with the CBD cannabinoids, crafttreats.com and crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. That's off the hook and you'll get a 20% discount you'll be glad you did because it'll make your pet feel better. Who doesn't love that? Who wants a scared pet when the thunder's rumbling outside like a Garth Brooks song? Here we go. Message board bingo, Amanda. Steve Spurrier for OC. Make him turn you down. Oh, gosh. I can barely walk. Um, I don't know who that... Can you give us a hint? SEC. The SEC. Travis says Florida. No. It would be pretty awesome, though. He wouldn't have to recruit. Well, for but this is just for offensive coordinator. Right. Not head coach. Yeah, I mean. I mean willing to do that, it would be cool. I understand. But, uh, anybody else on the message board? Message board bingo. You got five seconds. 
Orange Blood says the Titans. Gene says South Carolina. Gene is correct. Gene, you're correct. Uh, shoot me an email right here. I'll put my email and we'll take care of you. And uh, we look forward to it. Um, and Joe says, I think a lot of people are discrediting TCU a lot. Joe is still upset about that. It means Bama gets to go to the Sugar Bowl. Ohio State is politicking to go to the Orange Bowl and not go to the Rose Bowl. That means we go to the Cotton Bowl, which stinks as Vols fans. I don't think that's going to happen. But, Joe, it could. I think Tennessee's – here's where my concern would be in that, that they could fall to the Cotton, that all the bowls – essentially in the college football playoff committee say your premier bowls you want you want the stands to be full you want it to travel and this team doesn't have Hendon hooker and is incredibly disappointed with the way the season ended but i think the way that tennessee travels would offset that i really don't believe that's an issue from the people i've i've talked about so i don't th i don't think you're going to have to have any concern about that please hit that like button uh, also share we'll be with you at 8 30 tomorrow morning for the awesome Amanda LaFrada, Caleb Calhoun, and Ron Slay, I'm Dave Hooker. Have a fantastic day, everyone. This is a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.